there's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on v Here we go. Live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino Mitch Moss, along with Polly Howard on a very busy Friday morning. Glad that you're aboard with us today. We are loaded to the gills. Adam Rittenberg in 30 minutes, who covers college football. We'll get into the Michigan Wolverines situation that they're currently in. Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings today. What a story this has become with uh, hashtag Skull. Paulie, you're a lifelong team. Adam Chernoff on the program and Pat Forty on the show as well. How are you today? Good, good. You? Not too bad. Yeah, I know you're kicking yourself. You didn't have the under last night. Well, you had it, but you didn't give it out on air. Another prime time under comes in. I waited. Oh, wow. Here's what I... I did not bet the game under before it started, although the numbers are just ridiculous this year. I was kind of hoping for an early touchdown. And, man, that game was bogging down right away like nothing's going to happen. And I thought to myself, well, I missed my chance. I'm not going to have a bet on tonight's game. And then, lo and behold, the punt return happens for a touchdown. It balloons up to 40 and a half. I'm like, there's my opportunity right now. And I wanted nothing to happen. So the people that are going to be complaining about these primetime games, first of all, next week it gets a lot better on paper anyway. Oh, yeah. But I'm telling you, it's wildly entertaining when you have a bet on the under. It goes the other way, you know? For everybody who wants to just bet every game over and hope for an exciting game and tons of points, when nothing happens in the league for an entire year, bet an under, and when it's three and out or nothing happens offensively, you're going to be excited every single time. You're rooting for punts. That football is still fun to watch. I'll take it, especially in the NFL. And what a four days it's been for the Chicago Bears. They get this big win against Carolina. They have their pick. Kyler Murray is coming back for Arizona. I mean, the Bears can get the number one pick here. And I know our guy, Mike Mike North, can say it all he wants. Doesn't matter. They can't pick their nose. It's a great spot to be in with the Bears. And, and the fact that they're going to get two high draft picks here. And, uh, and Carolina is just an absolute mess. And this is incredible that the offense looks worse since Brown has t- with the play calling duties from Reich. Yep. Now, I know the offensive line's been atrocious. 
but the scheme that they're running now, they can't get Thielen the ball. I mean, they can't do anything in the passing game, and everything is short, and it, it is tough to watch. And I mean, what, what Miles Sanders at negative five yards? Oh, this is bad. Yeah, so here's where I'm concerned after last night watching the offense and Bryce Young, and I watched that dude play a lot at Alabama, which, by the way, he's no longer playing with five-star kids across the board. And welcome to the NFL, rookie. Um, so when he was at Alabama, he was dead-on accurate. I mean, he was dead-eye dick is what he was, right? So that's one of the major reasons why Carolina took him number one overall. Had a great arm, and boy, he could put that on a, on a it was a dart every time he was throwing the football to wide-open receivers. I never saw him like, I don't really recall continuously here for Bryce Young at Alabama where he had to like put every ounce of effort into every single pass, meaning... And we knew that the size was going to be a problem. Last night on primetime, watching him up close like that, if you really paid attention, he has to like jump to put his weight into these passes. And I'm talking about like 15-yard passes down the middle of the field. Yeah. Like nothing, it's not just like, going to drop back the pass, here's Dan Marino, here comes a 47-yard pass on a laser beam, and uh, no worries about it. Like it's effortless. For this guy... It's nothing but effort, and I'm talking about a 10, 12, 15-yard pass. And the size, the reason why we didn't like him going number one overall, the size had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And it just, again, it's his first year. Can he turn it around? Potentially. It looks like, again, and we say this more and more every single week, the chances are growing that they have a major bust on their hands here with the number one overall pick. No doubt. And if you saw the look on Tepper's face in the suite, I'm not going to be surprised if he's going to clean house and pin this mess on the coaching staff and say, because he loved them and he called them a point guard. And, you know, we didn't need, we don't need wide receivers. We have a point guard. That's here exactly right. Bryce Young, and he's anything but how bad. So they score. I don't know. They've been they've been improved, and uh, and Sweat had a good game, but they they scored six points against the Bears. Six points. Yeah. It, it's bad. And now to be one and eight, Dallas at Tennessee at Tampa at New Orleans Atlanta Green Bay at Jacksonville Tampa. No, they got that, that three game. Road trip is coming up yeah. now. It's on deck. It feels like two, three wins tops. And See, the, the game they won I'm, was 16-14. Yeah. I'm telling you, Paulie, this is where Arizona's making a major mistake. No doubt. Because you can control the draft board with Caleb Williams at the very top. He, I mean, if Carolina was willing to give up that much for Bryce Young, what do you think a team is going to be willing to give up for, I'll say, Caleb Williams or maybe even Drake May? But yet, here you go. You have the Bears who are bad. And the team that they have the first, uh, a number one pick next year, who's worse, and you might be even yep. worse than Arizona. You don't want to win more games in Carolina and not get the number one pick. You're going to completely botch this like Carolina did last year. Yeah. And Come if, on. And if Murray gets hurt, you got to pay him $70 million. It's, it's That's another Looney one. Tunes we're talking sure, about right sure. now. How about Wright kicking the 59-yard field goal? Which, if you're going to do that, which I don't like you know, outside in the elements with a little bit of wind, can, can you maybe run it on third down, knowing you're going to do that? And then why do you take the timeout, though? No. You burn the timeout in the process. Ah, oh, Frank Reich. Yep. Bad. They're, they're showing it right now in the replay, too. A 59-yard field goal with a minute 35 to play. It, it was really, short by five yards. It wasn't even close. Yeah. You know, that situation is like, I was thinking about this uh, last night and on the way in. What's like a comp to what happened here in Carolina? Because, again, Frank Reich and Luke McCown, Based on their meeting with C.J. Stroud, Josh, was, Josh, Josh McCown, yeah, when they were meeting with C.J. Stroud last year, earlier this year, they were like, "Yeah, well, we're going to play a ba- basketball game when you move to Charlotte." They were evidently yeah. all in on C.J. Stroud, 
And Tepper comes flying in and says, no, 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 you're going to take this guy. And they're like, well, now I'm stuck. I already, that's like, let, let's say that we were not at VSIN right now. I'll, I'll comp it to our world. And they're like, hey, guys, this is going to be a dream spot for you. Come on. You're going to come three hours every single morning. And then we sign on the dotted line and we talk football all off season. And then September comes here and then management comes in and they say, by the way, you're not talking football this year. You can, you're not allowed to talk about the NFL or college football from September through January. That's like my comp in our world. We'd be like, well, wait a second here. This is supposed to be an unbelievable gig. We love VSIN. We love talking, but no football. I mean, it's just like they had their guy. They wanted Stroud. He pulls the rug out from underneath them. Huh? What are you supposed to do? I'm sure our audience has plenty of examples, too, when the boss gets involved. No question. And they come over the top and all of a sudden, well, okay, big changes here, right? And, and again, the, the Evan Abrams tweet, to put this in perspective, and just like what you said earlier, you know, don't complain. Take advantage of this. Night game unders are now 23-7 and seven, and nine in a row have cashed, including 13 of the last 14. Night unders are 63-29 and 29 since the start of last year. The story of this season, unders, unders, unders. And you still can't go low enough on some of these games, right? I mean, I can't believe the total in the Green Bay-Pittsburgh game and the Sunday night game out here with the Jets and the Raiders. So it this continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. And the fact that we're on, uh, what is it, every game but one has gone under on Monday night too. Man. That's another one. It's like so, Iowa football, man. Uh-huh. You laugh at it. You see these openers every week are 31 and a half, oh, then 29 and a half, then 28 and a half. Well, they keep going that low for a reason. They can't score, and they have a really good defense against teams that also can't score. Like, no offense in that side of the Big Ten is good. And when you play like a defense and they take pride in, you know, allowing nothing, well, then soon. I mean, when I had, there was an odds maker in town who reached out to me and said he makes the Iowa-Nebraska total 30, uh, 27 and a half. So imagine that game when, it, when it's played, whether it's going to open up. But some of these other games, too, later on in the year, if this continues, are we not, again, we pointed this out this week, do we not start to see like a 32 pop? Or like a 33 not and a, a half? Well, plus, weather's going to start being a factor now, too. Yeah, sure. Has to be. Yep. And I, I'm here for the Bainjit story, too. I mean, you're playing Colorado School of Mines, whatever it is, and now you're going in the NFL and you're actually winning games. All right. So, uh, and they should have beat the Saints, but they had all the turnovers in the second half. So th- this is this is fantastic. Yeah, you, that story. You Division mentioned two. You mentioned Jets Raiders, other primetime games this week. That totals thirty-seven. You think that's still too high? Broncos Bills Monday night's forty-seven. Primetime game, okay. yep. and then a week from last night, we finally get a really good matchup. It's Bengals Ravens. That total is forty-four. Is there just some, something about playing on Thursday night and Burrow's going to look terrible and Jackson's all of he's going to forget how to run? And the defense is shine, and the game's going to be 17-14 final? Yeah, I don't think it's – I just think it's not so much the Thursday night thing as much as just the whole NFL season. Bad offensive line play, passing on points, long drives that result in nothing. It's all of that. And and, and quarterback injuries, yeah. It's all of that, and then I do think you correlate that into only getting a couple of days off, and here you go with the Thursday night game already. And And then do we have a lot of good coaching staffs in the league? To prepare for a team in 72 hours? I never thought of that. Is coaching getting worse? I think it all adds up to horrible offensive line play because of what they're running in college and at the high school level. And these guys come in and they're not you know, ready to go and, and, and basic pass blocking and that kind of stuff uh, and run blocking. Yeah. How many wins are we talking about on the year for Carolina? I, Do they get to Dallas, three? no. At Tennessee, 
doubt it. This becomes a great option in Survivor moving forward. Maybe they replace Arizona at Tampa. Maybe you sit it out at New Orleans. Good luck. Atlanta, Green Bay, Jags, Tampa. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, mean, this kid is to the point where he's regressed now as well. At least he had a couple good games early on. But six points against the Bears. And dink and dunk. Take some shots down the field, please. Take some shots to Thielen. Come on. I'll bring it up. You called Zach Wilson the worst starting quarterback in football this week. Is he? Or is Bryce Young? Well, at least Wilson isn't turning it over. So, yeah. Again, at the, least Young will take off and scramble, though. I don't, know why Wilson, quite a bit. I don't know why Wilson doesn't do that. I, he can. He should. It's, he, he has that right. capability. At least Young will take off and get the first down, what well, he did. And by the way, Paul, I mean, going back to the draft, there's no hope. Forget about this year. You're winning two, three games maybe this year. What What about next year? Yeah, because you can't give up on the guy. I mean, you're going to stick no with way him. You so can. this is you know, and, and your first out. round pick gone. Oh wow. Oh, it is. It is ugly. Uh, Paul's going to recap last night's betting action with win some, lose some. Wait until you hear what happened at the end of a college basketball game last night. Details coming up here on Vsin. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with CallShe. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation and a whole lot more? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check the current betting splits data. You guys love it. It's updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes. You can see changes in all the action. You can use future events as well. Check it out every game, vcin.com. 
This Michigan Wolverines story with Jim Harbaugh continues to be a doozy as we do not have an answer yet about his overall punishment. And uh, to maybe get an answer here, Adam Rittenberg joins the program now, who does a great job covering college football for ESPN. Uh, Adam, thanks for the time today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep. You, you tweeted it. out this week, while we wait, although the Big Ten has considered a suspension for Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, it is considering a range of possibilities, including a significant fine. Public reprimands, fines are common penalties under Big, sportsman, uh, Big Ten sportsmanship policy. Uh, when do you think we are going to have an answer to this mess? And then how severe do you think it might be? I think we'll have an answer today. I mean, the most likely punishment all along has been a suspension for head coach Jim Harbaugh and uh, Michigan set to leave for Penn State um, later on this afternoon. So I think it would be, uh, you know, uh, a quite uh, upsetting period if they if they suspend Harbaugh, but especially if they would let him travel to Pennsylvania and then, you know, drop the suspension later on. So I, I, I would imagine you're going to have an answer here, you know, probably by early afternoon, uh, if not sometime later on this morning. Um, but, uh, you know, the Big Ten is, is certainly absorbing what Michigan set back on, on Wednesday. And it, it was quite a lengthy document. And they're, they're certainly looking it over with their own attorneys. And they're, uh, you know, not, but now is the time to, uh, to impose the actual discipline. So I, I would imagine we'll have an answer today. If they if they, okay if they suspend him then what are the chances that this goes into effect immediately and he has to be out or then does Michigan get the lawyers involved and they can tie this up and get an injunction? Well, that's the big question. That's what Michigan's going to intend to do is 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 file for an injunction, a temporary restraining order, and you know it just depends on who they can uh, get in front of uh, judge wise today. Now you know it's a federal holiday. I, I think most of the courts are closed, but. Uh, they will find someone. They, their attorneys are are, are poised and, and and ready to uh, argue this uh, in in very short order. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, we have a list of of judges in the Eastern District that are uh, uh, you know about one of my colleagues actually looked up their alma maters. Uh, so we're 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 going to be following this certainly in the afternoon um, because it all depends. You know, in these types of cases, you only need you know one judge to say you know yeah you can't do this, but. I, my, my understanding in talking to some legal experts, it's very hard to get an injunction. Um, so it's not a slam dunk on Michigan's side that wow. they would mm. be able to block this. And you know, the Big Ten suspensions in their sportsmanship policy are very clear, or sorry, any discipline, I should say, is not subject to appeal. So whatever they decide um, is going to be the, uh, the discipline, at least on their, on their end. Okay, so then what do you think the, the absolute worst-case scenario here is for Harbaugh and Michigan? I think a three-game suspension, so obviously on Saturday against Penn State, then Maryland next week, and then the big one would be Ohio State, um, uh, that he would not be on the sideline. I don't anticipate a suspension beyond three games, uh, but you know this is something that Big Ten believes is a really significant issue in compromising the integrity of games. And while there hasn't been, had direct evidence, that um, Harbaugh knew about it or directed it or, uh, you know, really wanted it to continue. Um, the Big Ten feels that the evidence suggests that this happened and not even suggests, proves that this happened. And someone has to be uh, punished for that. And they don't want to punish the entire team. And so, you know, this is how, you know, often it goes. The head coach who oversees the program is the one who has to be responsible for it. Adam, do you think there's a chance this could linger 
guy, I, I understand that's maybe worst case for them, but let's say it doesn't kick in before the game tomorrow. Could this linger potentially to the Big Ten title game or beyond? You know, I, 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 there's been a lot that's been discussed um, as far as how long a suspension, you know, could could be. I, I, my, the last thing I, I was told last night was that the, the likelihood was a three-game suspension. Now, could it be a indefinite suspension? Uh, possibly. Um, you know, again, I think Tony Petiti, who's a new commissioner, is uh, you know sees this as a very serious situation, even though it's, it's very unusual, guys, for a, a conference to punish one of its members um, amid an investigation that is not expected to wrap up for a really long time, especially with penalties. So that's where we're at right now, is that the conference is... Um, you know, it's kind of you know set to take a, a very public and um, uh, you know somewhat unprecedented step in, in, in a situation involving a, a really good team and a, a very high-profile coach. And no doubt, follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Our guest Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football for ESPN. I saw you retweet some audio from Brett Bielema, the Illinois coach, and he was asked about like you know uh, spying on other teams and stealing signals. And he brought up a situation where they were playing Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald called him the day after a game and said, your signals were coming over our headsets. Fitz told his people to put the headsets down, change the channel and compete in the game. He thought it was the highest moment of integrity, did Bielema. Is that kind of the consensus that you're hearing from former and or active coaches? Or are you getting the response on the other side saying, no, everybody cheats? Well, I think coaches that I've talked to generally believe that, you know, what Michigan is alleged to have done is, is a step too far uh, because, you know, they, there obviously are people that are um, on the sidelines trying to obtain signals in game, but not uh, going out to games in advance to scout and film and decode and then have a plan going into a game that you then apply, which is seemingly what Michigan did. So they see it as, 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 as something that is very significant. It's why they coaches were so um, up in arms about, about, you know, the allegations around Michigan, as were some of the athletic directors, you know, that was part of the thing that changed the conversation for the big 10, because, um, you know, initially they were, you're going to kind of sit this one out and let the NCAA do its thing. And, and because of all the, um, uh, you know, the noise and the attention and the reporting, They've they've now they've now engaged. But yeah, coaches typically see this as as something that that is in a different category. Although I've had coaches tell me that they you know they believe they've had uh, opponents you know somebody from an opponent's uh, team scouting their games. So it, it's hardly the first time it's happened, but I, I I don't know if it's it's been as organized and maybe as brazen as Michigan's um, allegations are. We're talking Adam Rittenberg, ESPN senior college football writer, does an excellent job. Do I have this right? If they round robin each other and Michigan loses to Penn State but beats Ohio State, would Penn State go against Iowa in the Big Ten title game? Yeah, it's it's possible because of of the win that they would have, although um, yeah, I still have to kind of look at all the different scenarios. Uh, um, but, but but you know, they, they, um, you know it, would, it would certainly complicate things if Penn State wins on, on, uh, on Saturday mm-hmm. and, and if Michigan responds by beating Ohio State. Um, I still think Michigan's the best team in the conference. They've mm-hmm. shown that the last couple of years, and they seem to be a better version this year, You know, independent of all this. And talking to coaches, even if they're upset with Michigan, they acknowledge how good Michigan is and how talented and how many NFL players they have on their roster. So okay. it'll be very interesting. You know, Michigan has handled distractions really well. 
maybe not you know this particular type of distraction, but they played three games without Harbaugh this year. Right. They've had they've had to deal with him talking to the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of things that have you know, could have derailed this team or at least sidetracked them, and they haven't they haven't let that do that let, let let those things do that so far. Well, in our world, Adam, talking to a lot of uh, professional sports betters, most of them, a lot of them, I will say, they have Michigan as the number one power rated team in the country at this point. Um, how much? How many hours have you spent trying to watch Iowa football this year? <laughs> well, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it, it, it's just a different <laughs> brand. Um, you know, it's obviously you know it's painful for their fans to watch offensively. Um, but you know, I was at I covered their game against Iowa State, which is a very typical. Iowa, Iowa State game. Yeah, I've watched some of their other games. Watched a decent chunk of the game last week against Wrigley uh, at Wrigley. Um, and it's a team that you know is is just outstanding in two of the three phases of the game, and mm-hmm. then horrible, horrible in the third phase. Um, so it's a really interesting uh, situation going forward with Brian Ferentz. Now we know he's not going to return, and you know who are they going to hire, and um, you know how are they going to evolve offensively because you know this conference is changing. You know with the with the additions that are coming in from the West Coast, those are all offensive teams, especially teams like uh, Washington uh, and USC. You're going to have to score points, and Iowa's going to have to um, you know kind of be kicked and screamed, uh, you know, drag kicked, kicked and screaming into the new era where you can't win games twelve to seven or ten to seven like last week. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Kirk Ferentz, uh, how willing he is to evolve. Yep. I can't wait to see what that's going to look like next year in that conference. You can read Adam at ESPN.com. Does a great job covering college football and follow him on X. He's at ESPN Rittenberg. That was awesome, Adam. Thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate that. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. So my one takeaway there quickly would be if Harbaugh is suspended for three games and it kicks in today, which means he's going to miss oh. the Penn State game, the Maryland game, and the Ohio State game, if he means something truly on the sidelines on game day, and they would lose. This is one of my takeaways. If they would lose to Ohio State, those Marvin, Mar, uh, Marvin Harrison Heisman tickets are absolutely live. Yeah. Imagine, how about the Big Ten doing this to their own? And, and you think the SEC would ever do this? I mean, they're right here in the playoff. And, the, and imagine, if, like Adam said, if, if he's going to Happy Valley, he's on the Oh, wait a second. You're out. Oh, uh, up next, props for the weekend. Four of the top five target leaders are either on bye or they're hurt. And you can make a strong case for at least three receivers to go off this weekend. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Get a daily email recapping all the best bets from every host and guest. Unlimited access to the VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort by sport, matchup, date, and more. Pro picks, betting splits, betting guides, Hippo videos, bear videos. Sign up now. Everything we do through May 1st, $120. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Go get it. NFL here, specifically the Minnesota Vikings, as the longtime legendary voice of the Vikings. Yes. Paul Allen joins the program. Uh, I bend the knee, PA. How are you today? <laughs> Mitch and Pauly and Josh Dobbs. Holy What's going on with my boys? Okay, I can't get enough of this story. It was uh, incredible to watch. And then the videos that were coming out after the game. What was it like last week in the booth calling that once Jaron Hall goes down? And then you're, you're trying to put it all together. Like, what's going on on the sideline? He's taking snaps. They're trying to figure out the cadence. Then KOC is like relaying. They're like seemingly ad-libbing the entire second half. What was that like? Uh, well, it's the um, it's the newest version of 
I've just never seen anything like it, man. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not best ever or worst ever kind of guy or like, you know, 100% or zero. I'm just, that's just not my existence. Um, so therefore, when I say that of all the games I've called over 20 some odd years, like I've never seen anything like that. That's the third time during the Kevin O'Connell run that, that over the last year that I've said that. I mean, we had a game at Buffalo last year that I had never seen where we're down 33-0 to the Colts at halftime, <laughs> comeback, biggest uh, comeback history uh-huh. of the NFL. Nobody had ever seen that. And then now, you know, we got we got the backup, Jaron Hall, fifth rounder from BYU, had a really good week of practice, marches down the field, finds the second, the third tight end, Johnny Munt, who doesn't catch many passes on a nice sneaky 18-yard gain. And I'm like, damn, man, it's on right now. And, and now all of a sudden he's out. So the backup to the backup comes in and I didn't have much information on my game calling depth chart for Josh Dobbs because I didn't think there was any way he was going to play. So it's for the first time in the history of, of my game calling career. I'm on like profootballreference.com and Wikipedia between plays <laughs> as versus talks to figure out, Hey, this, this cat's from Alfreda, Georgia. That's, um, that's only like 30 minutes from here. Third and six, Addison left, <laughs> Al right. It was like that. It was like piecing it together as we go. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and they, they, when they when he got in the game, they just tell him, whatever you do, don't get hurt because then we're really screwed if something happens to you. So now he, right. well, O'Connell does an unbelievable job. They get the win, and now the way Flores has the defense cooking, you're thinking playoffs and Jefferson's coming back. Well, and I was kind of thinking playoffs before that, you know, simply because the, and it's not like we've been great this year, man. I mean, all those fumbles and, yep. and, um, and, you know, we, we, I mean, it's a loser's lament, you know, and, and specifically in the 702, it's the last thing you want to hear is if the ball had just fallen here or the puck hadn't hit that crossbar, I would have hit this 19 team par- <laughs> uh, parlay. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, this is kind of a loser's lament. But, you know, we, we had Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, L.A. Chargers. We had them all beat, and, and we should have beat them all. So then we go to dropping the ball, and it messes the games up. So now, now we're behind the metaphorical eight ball. So they, they come charging without J.J., but the NFC becomes so muddled. And there are so many middling records there. I kind of always felt we'd be in decent shape to make the playoffs. But now with this situation, I mean, the, this – this isn't anything anybody ever thought would happen. A quarterback who can pass, but also can run because mm. with cousins, the run piece is just not going to take place. So now if, if you time or over the course of the rest of the season, you know, I'm certainly not saying Josh Dobbs is Jalen hurts. A- absolutely not. And I love Jalen, but they're in the same fishbowl. They're just under different rocks mm-hmm. in that passing quarterback who legitimately can have 275 pound men holding onto his leg, uh, which Paulie's uh, you know quite uh, familiar with uh, certain <laughs> Tuesday nights of the Spearman Rhino. But nevertheless, and and find a way to shake tackles like that with sheer strength. Yeah. All right. So now you got the the overused rocket scientist line. Like, hey, what do you think I am? A rocket scientist? Well, actually, he is. <laughs> so he's super smart, and and he's a scholar of the game. So now we get to, all right, we could probably do without the 11 fumbles, including three in the uh, Falcons game. He's fumbled 11 times. Yeah, yeah. And, and he can be a little inaccurate. So just, just tighten that thing up. Put that quarterback on the run with Jefferson, Addison, and Hawkinson. I'm not kidding you. We might have tripped onto something really, really good here, boys. No doubt. We bend the knee. Your grace. Paul Allen, our guest voice of the Vikings, follow the money. 
VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. So uh, your thoughts on the Saints game here. And even if you happen to stub your toe, it's not the end of the world with Denver and the Bears coming up. And then you, you come out here, we'll buy you a steak when you take on the Raiders. There's a lot of wins coming up. But what do you think now against a good New Orleans defense, what this will look well, like? Yeah, this, Paulie, this one, I mean, the, this is a key one. Because with, with Brian Flores and this, three, four hybrid thing with floaters that he runs. It's, I don't even know what he runs. You know, when I watch it back, it's like, okay, the adversary, this has to be a 75, 80%. They think the Vikings are blitzing play. And, and then he's got seven strewn across the line. And then he rushes two. And like the quarterback is freaking out and his feet are dancing. He throws it away. So Flores has done an unbelievable job with this defense, this mm-hmm. defense. Keep this in your back pocket for the rest of the years because rest of the year because you guys are able to spot up. I'm not able to spot up because I don't want to go Calvin Ridley on my career. So keep this in mind. When Flores and this defense have run into middling or bad quarterbacks, they haven't just beaten them; they've killed them. Now the the final score hasn't necessarily been indicative uh, of killing somebody, but like Heineke, Bryce Young, Jordan Love. Um, uh, the uh, the cat in Washington can't remember his name, but yeah. they, they uh, yeah yeah. Well, we didn't play him this year. Oh. That was last year. But nevertheless, the uh, the middling-ish quarterbacks the, they've just had no chance. Uh, and I'm not overstating that they've had no chance against this defense in key parts of the game. Now Carr's not a middling quarterback. He's a good to very good at times quarterback. So if you can get by this one and this good quarterback, and then you go Russell. And then you go Fields or Bajan, and then you go whomever, Aiden or whatever in uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, if uh-huh. this team wins this weekend, it's going to win eight in a row. So we've won four in a row. I wow. think it's going to be eight in a row because I think they're going to squeak one out this weekend. I, oh, well, there wow. you go. And I think they're going to be a playoff team at the end of the season as well. Uh, right. J- Justin Jefferson was talking, and I get it, right? Like he doesn't want to come back until he's 100%. PA, what do you think is a fair timetable on his return? Uh, well, you're going to have to lay out um, the reasoning for the question. In other words, if, it, if it's J.J. returns New Orleans plus 240, J.J. returns Denver plus 160, J.J. returns Bears minus 140, okay, now, it's going to be somewhere between the uh, the Denver and the Bears wager. There you go. Now you're speaking our language. That's great. Paulie referenced this earlier. And again, like you said, like we can we can get down here. You, you know, you, you're a broadcaster on an NFL team, so we get it, but... We absolutely feel, based on what's gone on the entire year, the injury to Jefferson, the injury to Kirk Cousins, what took place last week, again, ad-libbing on the sideline yeah. during the game to come back, and, you know, whatever, answer this however you like. We think Kevin O'Connell should absolutely be one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win Coach of the Year at this point. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it, you could have, you could have, now, now and we, let's just be straight on all this rigmarole. I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to walking in a casino with Polly Howard or Mitch Moss, and playing one of Paulie's favorite wagers, a $500 four-team teaser. No, I can't do that. I don't want to go Calvin Ridley on my career. But I'll tout, I'll tout the hell out of you privately or publicly. All you got to do is let me know. So when it comes to um, what was the question again? Oh, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, you could have gotten you could have gotten twenty-five to thirty to one on yeah. him last year yep. yeah. to win Coach of the Year, and it was it was just stupid that Dayball won it. I, I mean, agree. Seriously, yeah, I, I couldn't believe who won it last year. Specifically, given that like we had beaten them two weeks after the uh, or before the announcement came out, yeah. Uh, so yeah, see, see, uh, so O'Connell, what would he be odds wise now? 
Uh, Still he, a 20, he's 20. He's, I think, 12, 15, maybe a little bit higher than that some spots. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, Uncle Brent Musburger would have had that number for me, quick twitch. So with Kevin, the thing is, is that when you do something middle of the season like the Vikings did with Dobbs, and everybody, so you, you got to get to the low hanging fruit here because that's just society 2023. Mm-hmm. Prisoner of the moment, low hanging fruit. Uh, it lost your quarterback, still found a way to win games, lost your receiver, still found a way to win games, had to put in a running quarterback and call the plays actually for him in his helmet during the game. Okay, I remember that, low-hanging fruit. Uh, so all of that stuff's going to play into mm-hmm. um, him. He's going to win Coach of the Year. If, if we win eight games in a row like I think we might, he's going to win Coach of the Year. You're going to spot up at like 20-1 to 1 and just uh, just be popping tags out there 702 way. Yeah. 30 seconds. Did you ever hear back from Taylor Swift's people? No, no. My boss, at, uh, one of my bosses at K-Fan knows her, um, and, and he rules the roost in uh, country music with the iHeart family. <laughs> so, I mean, if, like, that dice throw came up, uh, box, came up um, uh, box cars, then, then it wasn't going to happen. And uh, regarding this weekend, uh, you know, hopefully you enjoy the game that I think is going to be of the underwhelming yes. variety. Hello. Yeah. All right. Well said. There you go. See uh, you in December. Your time is precious, sir. Thank you. Drakarip! College marquee games in that world coming up next. <laughs> There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating or inflation and a whole lot more? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money, spelled K-A-L-S-H-I, and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance, and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No better time of year to be a sports better. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get all the tools to prep for college and pro every week. 
Sign up today. Access to the daily best bets with the leaderboard to see who has the hot hand, the betting splits, the premium analysis, the bear videos. Sign up now. Everything we do through May 1st for $120. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Double shot with Adam Chernoff. Follow him on Twitter and listen to the Simple Handicap Podcast. You have never done this on the show before. Tell us what you decided to do in the Seattle game and the Baltimore game, please, and why. Yeah, I, I really, in the in five years, I believe this is the first time I've ever done a parlay on air. And so here we go. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I'll take the Seahawks money line with the Ravens money line. Both teams are six-and-a-half-point favorites. They don't qualify in a teaser. And if you're taking the six-pointer down at a lot of books, you're going to get worse than the money line price is listed. And so yeah. that's why we're going money line here specifically. Uh, two things on both teams. First and foremost, the Ravens trending towards being the number one team in the NFL. I think arguably they are for a lot of folks. I'm not quite there yet, but what's surprising me the most about them is how the defense for Baltimore is getting praise despite not having the singular guy that stands out as like the elite top tier pass rusher, the elite top tier corner. It's just team wide. And Mike McDonald as the defensive coordinator is getting heaps of praise as well as being called the best play caller in the NFL. Like this team is absolutely loaded. And when they played the Browns the first time, they were missing five defensive starters. They were missing multiple offensive starters. The offensive system that they wanted to install was still not able to get going. They did get DTR on the other side, obviously, for Cleveland coming in to start. Uh, but I actually don't think that this number as a whole is that crazy being adjusted up to where it is with the way that this team is trending. And matched up against Deshaun Watson without left tackle starting now as they lost Willis for the season. They're already without Conklin. There's no ground game for the Browns. I think that that offensive performance last week for Cleveland was quite misleading and not representative of things to come. I think this is a comfortable win at home for the Ravens. So I'll put that money line with the Seahawks mm -hmm. who go back to home, go back home after playing the Browns and Ravens defense. We just talked about how great the Ravens defense is. The Browns defense has been as good. And so it's two weeks back to back for Seattle and Geno Smith going up against man schemes that he really struggles with and really good defenses. Now it's back home against the commanders guys. 10 days ago, we were talking about the commanders selling off their best players as a team that was packing it in for the season. They end up beating the Patriots offense barely, but those guys are still gone. And this is still a defense that's made opposing offenses look much better than what they've played to as a baseline for the season. And so to me, uh, going across the country, uh, this is just a big bounce back spot for Seattle at home against this commander's defense after two brutal opponents. And so this, this parlay pays minus 110. Okay. It's something that I just rarely do, but I think both of these teams get wins at home. All right, beautiful. Now, I'm on the Jets. You like the Jets. They're all coming to town. Fireman Ed is here. It's going to be Jet Nation. Uh, the, all the Jet fans are taking over Circa. Do the Jets bounce back here against the Raiders? I think the letdown's coming after how the Raiders celebrated, and now you're taking on a pretty good defense with O'Connell. <laughs> it's hilarious that the Jets have a traveling fan party after all the pain that we've been to collectively <laughs> yeah. as a fan base for a decade, but good for them getting out there and taking over. I do think it's a Jets win. Uh, I would take them on the money line. They're plus one right now, but you can get them right around even money. Uh, that's the bet to make for Sunday. You said letdown. I think that's a fair word for it, but I just look at it as just a complete 
sort of perspective. If we take a step back here, we have to say last week, this was the second story last week that was amazing. The Raiders bounce back, they clean house, they get the win, the Raiders are back. But if we're just looking at this, we now have a head coach who for two weeks has gone to the podium and pounded his chest about how this team wants to run the football and they want to be physical and they want to punch the opponents in the mouth. And you have a play caller in hard degree who's never called plays before. And he's going up to the podium wanting to establish the run and run the football. And it's this team taking multiple days off in the week. It's a celebration. Like if we saw this, and we were looking at this team that wanted to run with an Adam Gase protege who's never called plays, all of a sudden calling plays, like we would be looking at this team and say, I want to bet against this team every possible chance I get. But because of what they did last week and the story, and now this is the franchise rebounding and how much everyone hated Josh McDaniels, Mm. this is seen as like a positive, uplifting thing that's like a motivational story that everybody loves. And at some point, it's going to get on the field and it's, it's going to look like the parts that are calling the plays. And matched up against the Jets' defense, I think this is when we start to see, like, okay, this is what happens when you put a defensive head coach with a play caller who's never called plays with a rookie quarterback on the field against a great defense. It's just not going to work. And, and I think we start to see that now, and I think we see this Raiders team start to struggle going forward. It was the great story last week. It was the rebound. It was the reset. That's a historical spot where teams overperform. The Raiders absolutely did against Ami DeVito, albeit, but now it's, it's a real Jets defense. That's the best unit on the field in this game coming to town and it's going to be a big challenge. So uh, as painful as it is, have to back the jets here on the money line. Okay. Okay. Uh, This is a prime time game, obviously. Why do you think we are seeing an incredible run on unders this year and specifically prime time games? This is a lot of things kind of coming together all at once. First of all, we're seeing O-line play around the league, just drop off a cliff. The defensive talent on the defensive line and pass rushers is far greater than the talent on the offensive lines. And what that is leading to is offenses having to go down the field methodically as teams are saying, we're going to take away the deep shot. We're going to force you to go 10, 12, 14 plays down the field. If you want to score, we're going to force you into not making a mistake, not taking a penalty. And we're going to hope that pass rushers can get home because if there's a sack on a drive, scoring goes way down. So that's kind of like the, the one thing all around with how defenses are adjusting and lack of O-line play. We have a bunch of bad quarterbacks league-wide as well. If you compare quarterbacks playing for teams this week, if you go back five years or eight years or 10 years, it's amazing how all of the past quarterbacks, despite there being a lot of bad ones too, they're all better. Like we're just at at an all-time low for quarterback play across the league. And then you're just having teams stall out in the red zone at rates we haven't seen before. And whether that's defensive game planning, being more specific in that area, whether it's offensive play callers, just overthinking situations and not being able to find success in short yardage. It's a, it's a combination of a whole bunch of things, but teams are just getting inside the 20 and not finding the end zone. And we're seeing more field goals kicked through 10 weeks than any other season yeah. prior. So the, it's just a whole bunch of things coming together all at once, but it's really sort of being driven by the bad O-line play, the bad quarterback play, and a defensive philosophy shift league-wide. Yeah, well said. Adam Chernoff, our guest here on Follow the Money. It's Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 
you had a chance when we brought you on last week. You were 16 and four in the circuit quarterly. Uh, one more week was remaining, and obviously that's a big prize pool um, for that part of the schedule and the season in the contest. What happened last week? Did you end up finishing in the money, Adam? So, first off, I want to say congratulations to Mike, who's a listener of the show for you guys, listener of the podcast for myself from up here in Canada, won it by himself. So that's a big win for Mike over in Toronto. Um, we had a five, with five and oh, we would have got the cash. With four and one, we would have hit cash as well. We made two kind of fatal errors that show how difficult these contests or these contests can be. So the first one we made the mistake of was we were looking at the Browns on Friday afternoon when we were getting our picks in. They were out to a 12-point favorite, but the contest lines had them at 7.5. So it was essentially the free square, and we elected to pass on Cleveland under the thought that, well, everyone else is going to be taking uh. Cleveland too. So we kind of overthought the spot and made the mistake with that, and so we ended up switching out Cleveland for the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons, of course, threw that game away in spectacular fashion. So we're like, okay, well, there's four and one. We're still on the table. But we also had the Jets. And, of course, that didn't go well. Uh, But the issue that we had with the Jets, thinking back, was everybody in that spot for the quarterly had the Jets as well, except for the guy who ended up winning number one. And I think the reason a lot of people took the Jets was it gave them an opportunity to hedge out if if they would have got the four on Sunday and manage around that price. So we ended up with a game that everybody else had too when trying to avoid that with the other one that was the easy one to take that was six points off. So we went three and two. We missed it by one and just ended up overthinking the whole situation. But these contests are a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're brutally difficult to win, and that shows why. Yeah, no question. Well, here's to a bounce-back week, and uh, we appreciate the uh, the time as always. You can follow Adam on X. He's at Adam Chernoff, and again, get the podcast It's the Simple Handicap Podcast. Adam, thanks and good luck. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy week 10. Thank you. College football up next. We'll get into uh, Pat Forty. We'll we'll ask him about the Michigan situation and will we get a massive upset that, uh, you know, it means something to the committee coming up this weekend. Welcome aboard Total Wine. We love it with the lowest prices for over 30 years. You'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only a Total Wine and more. Drink responsibly. B21. The great Pat Forty joins us now. Mr. College Basketball and College Football. Sports Illustrated. The College Football Inquirer podcast, which is awesome. And he joins us now to talk everything college football. Appreciate the time, sir. They get on a plane at 1 o'clock. What do you think happens with Harbaugh? What are you hearing? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if reports are accurate out there of a three-game suspension, that's a bit of a bombshell. You know, I think Michigan had felt optimistic, perhaps naively, within their own, like, you know, echo chamber, that they had put up enough of a argument that the Big Ten might back down and just issue a fine here and let this thing play out in the offseason. But if it's a three-game suspension, that's a bomb, and we will see if Michigan can get a temporary injunction and get Harbaugh on the plane. Uh, the, the, the slightly tricky thing there <laughs> is that today's a holiday, Veterans <laughs> Day being observed. The courts are closed. 
I would imagine, though, you can knock on the door of an Ann Arbor judge who would be happy to sign <laughs> something oh, that man. says, let the man coach for at least this game. But it's, it, this is major, major development. Yes, you have been all over this on your podcast. It is your understanding, and if you would agree with this mindset, that the commissioner, Tony Petit, thinks this is the crime of the century? Uh, you know, from at least one person that we talked to who was uh, privy to some of the conversations, yes, that, that this was viewed as a major breach of the rules by Petiti and probably, I think, by the folks in, the, in Indianapolis as well who have been in communication with Petiti. And so, you know, that was their uh, mindset going into this. And, you know, I think that they communicated last week to Michigan. They They, they think this is a major breach of sportsmanship and competitive advantage. And then Michigan's been fighting back. And, you know, the one thing about this, you know, Michigan has leaked every single possible thing that they could this week. And so it seems like this avalanche of counter argument, but we haven't heard from the big 10. And if the big 10 listens all this and said, yeah, we don't care. We're suspending him. Then that's that. Yeah. Well, you said it. I can't believe that like the conference is going to eat their own here. I mean, this is, this is a major blow to a team that would probably likely make the playoffs, and now you're not going to have your head coach if that happens. It's, um, it's incredible. Like, that seems surprising to me in the era that we are in, where basically you do everything to advance your conference, both monetarily and competitively, regardless of what may feel right or smell right or whatever. Huh. And I just expected the Big Ten, which is, you know, cannibalize the entire Pac-12 to just say, damn the torpedoes, we want to try to win a title. I guess now they're they're trying to win it with Ohio State, although, hey, Michigan can still win these games. Sure. You know, yeah. There's nothing that says they can't. So, But uh, it, it is it is shocking to me to see the conference do this. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go get, uh, what I wanted to get into next, Pat, is do you think Harbaugh is worth enough to the team on game day that if he's not there over the next three games that they could lose a game or two um, is that, is that like a possibility in your opinion? Uh, you know, I mean, you guys are, are probably much more expert in terms of like how much this affects lines and that sort of thing. I think this, uh, I, I think this is, I know this past week has been a titanic distraction at Michigan. And so you combine that now, if, if you all of a sudden take the coach out, then the Penn state game is up for grabs. And then I think the Ohio state game is absolutely up for grabs. Uh, you know, the other thing I would be interested to see when Harbaugh was suspended early in the season, he could still lead practices, meetings, all that stuff. He just couldn't be around on game day. The NCAA has since moved to change that so that if you're suspended, you can't do anything. That's going to be a a rule, um, that's that's put forward in, in January. Uh, so does that apply now? Probably not. Probably not, but you know, if, if Harbaugh is really taken out of the practice and preparation, then yeah, I think it's it's a major effect. All excellent points. Do you see any potential upsets Saturday with the big boys? You know, some great games out there, that's for sure. Um, I think Georgia is too good for Mississippi. I don't think Mississippi has the defense for that game, and we'll see if Brock Bowers is back and playing. You know, it kind of sounded watching the broadcast last week like Bowers had been doing some stuff with the mm-hmm. team, was getting close to coming back. Uh, and then, you know, I think Oregon-Utah, very interesting game there. I, they're in Eugene, so I, I, like, I like where Oregon's sitting in that one, and they're playing extremely well. 
in that in, in that I'm sorry, I got that all wrong, guys. That's, that's no you, yeah, you, USC's up there. I was going to say, do you give USC a puncher's chance or no? Because Oregon's too good right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, USC, I give no chance. No chance. Utah, okay. Washington is is the game that I think uh, could be could be much more competitive. You know, there's I haven't liked the way Washington's played. They they were really good against USC offensively, but. USC's defense is the worst thing I've ever seen at this point. So, you know, I, I, I give I give the youths a bit more of a chance to to maybe keep that one tense and exciting to the end. Can Miami hang? No, no, I don't think so. Okay, uh, Florida State's on a mission, on a roll. Miami is not very good right now. Uh, I don't know what's happened to Tyler Van Dyke. You know, he's, his his game. He's gone from superstar as a sophomore to. You know what happened last year to what happened this year, um, and so I just I I don't like where Miami's sitting right now. We have three undefeated teams, and then twelve and one Oregon and twelve and one Texas. Who would get in? Ooh, that's a heck of a battle. It really is. Now I would say the Pac-12 deserves the nod there, um, especially if they beat an undefeated Washington to get to twelve and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Pac-12 has been the best conference. We saw it in the preseason. We saw them winning all those non-conference games. That You can't just have that disappear when that sort of thing usually is the credibility boost that helps the SEC or other leagues. Just because of the Pac-12, it doesn't all of a sudden disappear. Uh, Texas, if they're 12-1, and one, they've done a lot of things right, and including winning at Alabama. That's a big, big win. But I would still lean in favor of the Pac-12 getting their champion in. I hope you're right. If it comes I agree. To, if it comes down to twelve and one Texas and twelve and one Alabama, which would mean a win over Georgia in theory in the SEC title game, is there any way the committee would change their mind on this head to head stuff and put Alabama in over Texas, or are they going to stick to their guns and go with the Longhorns? Be a fascinating argument. Really interesting. I think if you beat Georgia, that's the trump card. Uh, I know head to head win in Tuscaloosa by ten points. That says a lot. But what Alabama's done since then. Uh, incredibly impressive. And if you do beat Georgia in the end, that's, you know, nobody has done that since 2021, since Alabama and the SEC championship game then, and you've taken down the two-time champions, uh, that, that would, I think, would, would resonate long and loud. And it would really be wild if the SEC got left out in that situation. Yeah. I, yes. You know, I, I, I would imagine the SEC is getting in, but I like the, the eruption from Greg Sankey would be memorable if it happened. Okay, now let's come full circle. Is is there any chance the Big Ten is left out if Michigan loses Saturday and then you, you beat Ohio State? And then I think under that scenario, Penn State's in the Big Ten title game. Yeah, I mean, if you end up with a three-way tie between those three, oh my goodness, and yeah, the amount of hand-wringing and rancor and everything, the, the real interesting question would be, if Michigan had a three-game suspension for Harbaugh that's then lifted for the playoffs, is that enough to put them in and say, well, <clears throat> you know, their, their one loss did come without their head coach. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. does anybody really want to give Michigan the benefit of the doubt after all this? <laughs> yes, yes. You know? I mean, yeah. the, the committee discussions on that, I, they, I would like beg them to put a camera in the room. Just to let us hear it, because <laughs> oh, that yeah, would be no incredible. Uh, what's your favorite part or, or least favorite part about this story? With, with, I know the Central Michigan outfit, the glasses. The, 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 what do you, what's your favorite part? Yeah, the vacuum cleaners were good, too. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, but no, the, the, the Central <laughs> Michigan thing, yeah, that's the capper. That's like, 
Like nobody had ever heard of doing what Connor Stallions did of like sending people to 60 games all over the place, you know, doing all this ridiculous video recording. But then when you actually show up yourself in semi disguise, you know, skulking around the sidelines of a central Michigan, Michigan state game, that's the capper. That's, that's the new level of, Oh my God, you're a lunatic. You know, I, I, I just can't believe he went to that extreme and it's Michigan state. Now, I mean, sure. It's a rival, but they're not even very good. You yeah. know, are you really doing this to be, to try to beat Michigan state is clearly crazy. Yeah. Well said. Oh God. They're going to hand it down while they're in the air. That's coming. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's coming. Well, I, I mean, that'd be perfect. I, I, I would prefer just, you know, since we're coming up with scenarios here, like 1259, a, you know, an express courier goes hustling to the airport and hands a letter to Jim Harbaugh as he's getting on the plane and says, <laughs> sir, you can no longer get on that plane. <laughs> uh, you know? Oh, God. You can read that. Harbaugh's, at- got, Harbaugh's got a judge next to him. Like, oh, yeah, watch this. Yeah, okay, yeah. Here's my injunction back at you. You can read Pat at Sports Illustrated. Follow him on X at ByPat40. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the weekend. All right. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's uh, chaotic this morning with that uh, potential penalty coming down against Michigan, maybe any time. In-pocket plays next here on VEASAN. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Call She. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album be album of the year? What about Biden's approval rating? Or inflation? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $20 bonus if you go to callshe.com slash follow the money. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. There is no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at callshe.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.